Welcome, educators and champions of physical and health education, to the first season of the PHE Canada podcast. Today, we're diving into a conversation around Healthy Schools initiatives at Avonmore School and how they are cultivating a culture of well-being. Join us as we explore the groundbreaking efforts and strategies aimed at creating environments that prioritize the physical, mental, and emotional health of students. From movement programs to healthy eating initiatives, this episode is a deep dive into how small steps forward can lead to lasting school changes. Lisa has been an elementary teacher for the past 15 years, is a specialist teacher in health and physical education, holds a master's of science in teaching, and is heading back to school to complete her master's in education. Sylvia has a background in physical education and taught in the classroom for 12 years before moving into the principal role at Avonmore School. Join us as we explore the groundbreaking efforts and strategies aimed at creating environments that prioritize the physical, mental, and emotional health of students. From movement programs to healthy eating initiatives, this episode is a deep dive into how the small steps forward can lead to lasting school changes. Today, we gather on the traditional and unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe Nation. We acknowledge the resilience and wisdom of the Algonquin people and commit to fostering a culture of respect, inclusion, and understanding. If I was to ask you about your school, how would you answer that question? Do you want me to answer that, Lisa, or do you want to? Okay, we're in rural eastern Ontario, a little town named Avonmore. Our school is kind of in the middle of that town, and it draws from communities all around. So we go kindergarten to grade six, and we have about 365 kiddos that come to school here. We do have some kids that live in town that walk to school, and then it ranges from kids, yeah, being on the bus for 10 minutes to an hour, kind of pulling in from all the different communities around. Brilliant. Just share a little bit about yourselves and your journey, both how you came to your position now, but also who you are as a person and how that lends to how you teach. I've been teaching on and off in between maternity leaves for about the past 15 years. And I graduated many years ago with my master's of science in teaching. I knew from a pretty young, young age that I wanted to be a teacher. So, you know, that's sort of the path that I took as I grew older. And actually for the last few years here at Avonmore Elementary, I've been very fortunate to be teaching the health and physical education. Being in that role, it's uh, provided me opportunities to gain my specialist, be able to incorporate different programming within my uh, phys ed journey. So sort of uh, where I've, where I started and where I am at right now. Brilliant. And Sylvia? I, like Lisa, knew from a young age that I wanted to be a teacher, and I grew up loving sports, so I went actually to Lakehead, and I my first degree is in phys ed, so that's always been my first love, and then I taught for 12 years, I think, and I've been a principal ever since. I'm a little bit on the other end of the spectrum from my partner, Lisa, here, and I'm about a year and a half out from retirement. So I just want to finish this journey, giving it everything I've got. And yeah, it's been an amazing journey, actually. You mentioned there about phys ed being your, you know, interest and and focus of yours. How has that impacted your educational journey, both as a teacher, but then as a principal? That's a good question. As a teacher, I would say I've always brought phys ed into my classroom or brought the classroom outside into phys ed. That's just, it's how I work. It's, I'm a very hands-on learner. And so that makes sense to me. 
as a principal, it has actually given me a lot more opportunities than as a teacher because we are able to step back a little bit and are able to kind of set up the playing field for everybody else in the school. So initially, you know, it was through extracurricular activities, intramurals, coaching, and having all of those things going. But as I guess I've kind of grown as a person, it's kind of gotten bigger than that for me. And funny enough, it was actually COVID that uh, really started it here at Abamore because we couldn't do with the kids what we wanted to do. So we had to figure out what we could do. And it all started with this thing that we call Power Hour. So we were able to invite cohorts of students to school before school. And we did physical activity, fitness, games, and then some healthy eating with them. So this initiative at our school actually just has kind of grown out of that. So it was in a way by an accident. But then it's just continued to grow and things pull in and it's been really it's been really a great journey. And I'm finding it too, it's a nice way to connect with some of the kids that we might not connect with throughout the day. Don't get to see all the kids throughout the school day. So some of those kids that come in the morning, I you know, you really get that opportunity to chat and connect and find out what's going on with them in their lives and it's building a nice relationship with the students so for our listeners could you just explain i i ended from previous conversations around power hour but just for our listeners who won't have any context you know what is that and what are, what are the activities themes that you're bringing out within that power hour it's a opportunity for grade five and six kids to be dropped off an hour before school in order to participate in some physical activities, which is really fitness training that we do with them. We do running, we do some strength building, we do stretching, whatever kind of happens to come by. We, um, our school is right next to a big fairground, so we're able to access a track and the outdoors there. In the wintertime, we go snowshoeing, and then we follow up with a collaborative game. Either they always want to play soccer, because soccer is king (laughs) however we try to you know introduce different sports and games to them and then we follow with a healthy snack and so from that activity it has kind of grown into bigger with the whole school looking at eating and we've kind of grown into you know um, really wanting to teach the kids where food comes from um doing, you know, running clubs at recess time, doing intramural sports at recess time. So the whole idea of power hour that we had to have to have those kids get something extra has just kind of flourished and grown. And I think for us too, that's sort of where the Healthy Schools Initiative came into play, right? We were looking at what can we do for our students and when we were looking at the framework, framework, sorry, sort of fell into, hey, we can, we're doing that. Let's, let's keep going. Let's see what else we can do and sort of blossom from there. Yeah. So that's, that's really what, where we grew from to get into the Healthy Schools Initiative. Brilliant. I think you and I it so had sort of started with the discussion. We, I had heard of a few healthy schools in a previous school I had been at, and we had done the certification, but 
we had never really focused on more than one aspect of the certification. So then Sylvia and I sat, we started chatting, we were looking at our power hour, our school council had recently just purchased a grow wall. So we thought, why not use the resources that we have here at school and develop it into our Healthy Schools Initiative, which I think since we've started has really grown and we've been able to not only involve our students and staff, but the community as well, which for me, I'm very proud of the community connections that we've made along the way. And it just seems to keep growing. We've made a few more community connections this year alone, and I'm excited to see where that'll bring us and where that's going to go. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's great because um, our little school being in the middle of a rural area is it ends up being just a little bit of a community hub. And then the more we can bring the community in, the better it is to allow that to grow. A lot of our kids are farmers. So it was really important to us that kids really know where their food comes from. And a lot of our farmer kids would know where their food comes from, but some of the other kiddos didn't. Actually, my family is from a farming background. And so is mine. Yeah, and Sylvia's as well. Sorry. As Sylvia was saying, a lot of the farming kids, they know where their food comes from. I mean, we we see it every day in our household. For me, what really started that the Healthy Foods Initiative was having the grow wall in the school and looking at how we could use that into our programming and then looking at our curriculum and saying, how can we make this a cross-curricular approach while also focusing on our Healthy Schools Initiative? And then that just kind of grew, eh? Because that's when our school council became involved. We were able to get funding to do gardens outside. So now we had the grow wall inside and we had um, our outside going as well and then in addition we're able to have community groups come in so that the food that our kids were growing was actually going to a food chair in our community so that was a really cool thing as well because then the kids not were not were only learning about food but they were also able to give back to our community which is something that is you know, a skill that we want to instill in the kids, how important it is to pay it forward. Each class gets to have a salad day from the salad and the vegetables that were growing on our grow wall. And for some of the kids, it was a surprise to us, but it was that that was the first time that they had some of those vegetables. So that is um, something that we were pretty excited about as well, because you know, the the more variety of um, healthy foods that the kids are aware of, the better. And if the kids are excited about it, then they bring it home to their families. And then it just kind of grows. It has a ripple effect. Just going to add on to what Sylvia says, uh, salad days uh, in classes are big days. Those are big deal days for our kids. And it's really neat because there's some hype around it. And it just sort of encourages us to keep going with it you know what I mean it- yeah absolutely and and so what you mentioned there about them going home and bringing those ideas home and, and that creativity how have you as a school been able to provide students with a platform to bring their own ideas around healthy school initiatives to life well that was like kind of another I think last time we spoke Josh we had talked about happy accidents and there have been a lot of happy accidents and one of them was really the kids wanting to take on more leadership in our school and um, clubs are a really big thing for the kids that they want to lead or be a part of so one of the things that happened is that um, they started putting up their own signups for clubs and then 
kids would come up with the ideas of what they wanted to do. They would have a sign up. And then the only thing was that the club had to run outside. So we've had, um, uh, there was a sign language club. There's a dance club. There's a gymnastics club. Um, some of them were doing a running club on their own. So that's been really kind of cool because that's all kid driven. And that then inspires them just to do more things. And I think that's one of the things that's really important to us for that Healthy School Initiative. We want our kids to take some of those ideas, because not every idea speaks to everyone, and maybe grow on them outside of school. Absolutely. And Lisa, how have you seen it foster within your own classroom? So you both your health education and your physical education classroom. Have you seen these initiatives kind of impact how students are turning up in those classes? For the physical education part, I'm finding that the kids are more willing to try different activities. Like Sylvia said, I mean, soccer is a, a big sport here at our school and it's wonderful and they're so involved. But I'm trying to as well with our phys ed portion, our phys ed side of the programming is to introduce new sports and activities to the kids. And I'm finding too that what we're doing in the classroom sort of generates to what's happening outside. There was a, I mean, there was a game that I, we did last year. It was called Gaga Ball. And I have been asked numerous times, is this something that we can get for our outdoor education piece? So I'm just finding that stuff that we're trying to implement in the classroom, I'm seeing a popularity of it outside and kids wanting to take on the leadership role of organizing these activities. We've got our Play for All intramural program that's going to be starting in the next month. I've got a long list of kids that want to come in and organize sports and activities for our younger students. So our job I'm going to be the facilitator but I'm letting the kids take on the leadership roles planning activities implementing the activities it's it's going to be all them so I like that I'm seeing students taking on those leadership opportunities and sort of being able to step back myself and seeing what they're capable of doing as you're talking about the various initiatives that you've implemented one thing that comes to mind is that great sense of belonging at your school. The students have a, a sense of student voice and choice and a platform to share ideas and be a part of something, you know, whether it's their idea or their peers. How has that translated into kind of the school community? Maybe this is hard to talk about as a tangible thing, but, you know, with parents and community members also being involved, could you share a little bit around that? That's actually a really good question. And actually, Josh, it goes into something that we've just been working on in conjunction with our school board and doing student voice surveys. And then we were just able to bring four kids together to a forum so that they could be heard with other students about things that are important to them. And I think that with what we're doing here empowers parents to feel like they are heard as well. Because one of the things that we heard at our forum was that parents, the kids want their parents to be in school more. And, uh, you know, that again, a lot of our conversations goes back to pre and post pandemic, because pre pandemic, we had parents in the school all the time, post pandemic, we don't very much. And that has been by our kids very much identified as a factor in their sense of belonging, that they want to see their parents in the school. So then when we organize things like the color run, or like a turkey dinner, or you know, events like that where the parents are a part of our school, school community, it allows the students to see their family 
as a bigger part of our school. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. I say bringing people together through the students and going out like the next circle outside of that, of the parents and the next circle outside of that, the community. So yeah, it's really interesting how, you know, those happy accidents, one, one thing leads to the other and the buy-in from students and then the buy-in from parents. Another thing I'm interested in and sticking kind of with the sense of students is how have you seen the health school initiatives impact students co-curricularly? So not just in health and physical education, but in all of their subject matters. I know there's lots of research out there around physical activity first thing in the morning and, and your power, kind of your own observations from maybe the power of, of the healthy school initiatives that you're doing in all subject areas. I know with part of our healthy school initiatives, looking at just thinking right now off the top of my head with our grow wall classes that, you know, our science classes, they might be, uh, we've had in the past and again this year where they'll grow the product beginning in their classroom and then we transfer that over to the grow wall. We've done where, sorry, even for health for the grade three health curriculum, you know, where does your food come from? So then that way we're able to invite other community members, you know, we tap our trees, we make our own maple syrup. But it's a bit of a mindset too, because even like what I'm seeing in the classrooms when I'm out and about, you know, kind of having different techniques for teachers in order to help students regulate, you know, that may be a body break, or that may be a class doing some yoga poses together, or it may be a class listening to a mindful kind of video and learning some breathing techniques. I'm seeing a a lot of that in our classes. And I think that that uh, trickles down and impacts as well. I know too, like, for my just just speaking from my own perspective, being in the gym, you know, we have uh, math, Monday Math Madness. So on Mondays, we do math activities with physical education pieces in there. We have our Wellness Wednesdays where we do wellness activities in the gym. And then on Friday, we do a Fitness Friday. So trying to sort of incorporate different activities for the students that they can also take back to their classrooms is sort of um, something myself that I'm trying to focus on as well but we always have discussions as staff members like you know what what are you doing in your classroom what can I do in my classroom you know it's just we're very much a school that uh, encompasses everybody and and we all work together as a team as a family absolutely and something that comes to mind is that sense of routine for students too you know, like say they know on Mondays it's Math Mondays and Wellness Wednesdays and Fitness. So that sense of routine. So, and I think Lisa, when you were saying that, it just made me think of something because let's be really honest and real on here. Like, what our our major focus is really working with our kiddos to make sure that they're strong readers, strong writers, strong in math, able to collaborate, able to, you know, think because that's. That's what we're doing, but by incorporating our healthy initiatives through things like having the snack buckets in the classroom, through all the activities that we talked about, we are able to help the kids regulate in a better way so that the hope is that they can learn and take in more of what we want them to learn, if that makes any sense. (laughs) And actually, we just had, uh, we had, we have learning team meetings every week where we have an opportunity to discuss um, in our small groups, what are we doing in the classroom? What's that going to look like? 
and our French team meeting happened today. Our focus is, you know, make the French speaking more authentic, uh, ongoing in the classroom. And so I'm sitting there thinking, what can I do in the gym to bring that literacy piece into my programming? And we came up with a game plan. So, you know, just trying to make it a whole school activity, not just this is what you do in science. This is what you do in English. This is what you do in math. This is what you do in phys ed. It's just a it's a whole school coming together for the benefit of our students. Yeah, and then the, the students are only uh, learning and growing more in that they can apply their math learning in a different setting, in a different environment. And for some learner, that might be the environment that they really thrive. So now math becomes something that they enjoy and they want to do rather than feeling that it's behind a desk in a classroom. I know it's Math Mondays and you know I really look forward to that on a Sunday evening sort of thing. So this is brilliant. You mentioned there around that whole school approach, and I am really interested in hearing more around how you've collaborated with your colleagues and Sylvia from the principal's perspective, how you've implemented this to all your staff and how you've created buy-in from everybody. Well, I think it starts off with an attitude of what we can do instead of what we can't do. And I think that our staff very much all is there and also that we go from the viewpoint of we're all here for the kids so what's good for the kids what can we do to you know make it better and then kind of start from there and i think with the healthy initiatives they're so visible you know the grow wall is right when you walk into the school we do things like we have butterflies that you know we grow them from their cocoon so that they can see that and everything is just visible it's all out there and it's collaborative Um, lisa has created a wonderful bulletin board with social emotional strategies that the kids can work on and the teachers just can grab the little sheets to help them with it so you try to make it easy and i think and i hope that um, we have the kind of place where people really feel comfortable putting their word forward because it's not Lisa and I doing this. It, it is the whole school. And if the whole school wasn't interested in, you know, providing this kind of holistic approach to learning, then I don't think it would really work because it's, it's bigger than we are. And it's just the opportunities need to be there. They need to be welcomed. I mean, there are many things we want to do that we can't do for whatever reasons. But when we can, then we go for it. Yeah, as a whole, the goal is not to make more work for people. It's to use what we have in the building as teaching tools and opportunities to, you know, incorporate as much as we can into our into our teaching and our learnings. And we are lucky. Like, we have to say that. We are lucky in our location. Uh, we have a ginormous yard with lots of pavement that we've been able to, we were able to raise money and we have all kinds of pavement games on there. So again, another opportunity for activities. We have two large soccer fields. We have a baseball diamond. And then on top of that, we have the fairgrounds right next to us where we're able to access the woods for nature walks. We have a track that the kids can run on. So we also recognize how lucky we are I'm interested on that. You, I think you're not doing yourself quite enough justice by saying lucky, but I am interested in that allocation of resources because I know many people, listeners included, might think that there's a lot going on and maybe, you know, when is it too much? You know, resources that can go to other places within the school or the school system 
talk me through how, how you know your thinking has been around the allocation of resources and then how that has been seen by staff and also the community. I mean, I, I'm going to speak very much from a principal's perspective. Our school improvement learning plan has different areas that we're working on. Our main focus is in literacy writing and in math. So in terms, if we're talking about resources in terms of money, that is where most of that goes because the resources that we're using for this program isn't necessarily things that we have to go out and buy. Of course, we have to have phys ed equipment to do what we do. So that is some money that needs to be spent there. But, you know, the Grow Wall was in conjunction with our school council through a fundraiser. The pavement games, again, that was money that we raised as a school. It was a lot of money for a small school like ours. I think it was about $15,000. However, it was money that we raised specifically for that cause. So then the community is invested in that because that's a part of who we are and what we do. So in terms of extra money, it doesn't take a lot of extra money to do this. The outdoor gardens, we got funding from through a grant program to make those. We have a little red library that's a part of that whole outdoor initiative which connects the literacy and it connect the gardening and again that was through grant money and so we definitely are again and I'm going to say lucky because we have a school council that is incredibly supportive of us we have 23 or 24 members on our school council and they're with us a hundred percent and they're willing to help us they're willing to work with us and right now For this year, our school council chair is in the middle of writing all kinds of grants to bring things in. So it's always also looking for the opportunities that are out there. There's not a lot of extra money for this. I'm finding too, though, it's to be able to reach out to different um, groups that are willing to work with our our students in our school. We just had, um, we're in the middle with our grade sixes through the Canadian Mental Health Association in Cornwall, which is sort of our next big town over. Um, So they're coming in for a four-week program where with our grade students, we talk about mindfulness. And I've had a lot of buy-in from our students, and I've even heard from parents, to be able to have a different opportunity um, or a different focus for their for their child. So that's I'm just finding too the the more you reach out and the more you're able to communicate with people, we seem to have a lot of groups willing to want to come in to the school and work with our students as well and staff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I even think about, you know, the Rotary Club again in the town in Cornwall. Uh, so we have a global kids club who, and their work is to do initiatives within the community nationally and internationally, kind of just working together to make the world a better place. And this Rotary Club, it has paired with us, um, is there with us, they come and support us. So the more you do, and the more you reach out, um, the more you learn that's actually available. And then all of a sudden you have these really cool surprises that happened um like the other day we went to pick up our veggies for our grow garden and you know I was like okay how do you invoice us he goes ah don't worry about it it's on the house um so you know like it's I think you just have to be open to the opportunities 
Absolutely. And it brings me back to something you mentioned before around starting small. You know, it hasn't not everything that we've mentioned today happened in the first six weeks that you started your first program or your first idea that came to mind. Those happy accidents and one thing led to another and really looking at, you know, each individual person and, and what, what it is they want and bringing voice into that. So in you sharing that, though, it, it did bring another question to mind in and around how you as people and as an educator have grown and I don't want to say change your perspective because also your perspective before was what led to that and your openness to that but just want to kind of if you wouldn't mind sharing around your own personal journey throughout and how it may have shifted how you look at healthy school initiatives and what is possible within the community. It's challenged us to look for possibilities where we didn't think there were some. And I think that challenge started with the pandemic because we we really didn't know what to do. So we had to look at things a little bit differently. And I think for myself, my growth has been in saying yes to things that scare me a little bit. I think we're always a little bit hesitant because we're worried about this, that, and the other thing. And so I've really tried to shift my mindset. People come with ideas to say, yes, let's try that. How can we make it work? I think for myself personally, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it as the perspective beyond the classroom. You know, there's so much more, there's a lot of learning and a lot of teaching that happens in the classroom, but there's also a lot of opportunities for outside the classroom learning, if that makes any sense. As an educator, I think I've gained more confidence in what I'm capable of and just to see the excitement on students' faces on what we're doing in the building really just keeps me motivated to keep going and doing what I'm doing and doing what we're doing together as a school. Well, I, th- I think it's, as educators, it's what we strive for in our classroom as principals, it's what we strive for in our school and our community to have that place where people feel comfortable speaking up and, and saying what they're interested in and to know that they can be heard. You know, not everything works, but I'm also not the gatekeeper of what works and what doesn't work. We have to talk it through together. And I think it just comes from a place of respect for one another and really recognizing, to me, there's only one reason why we are in this school, and that's because of the kiddos in front of us and for us to offer them the best possible situations and things to learn from in school. And I think when we're, we come at it from that lens, we can make really amazing things happen. And I, I, I really think that we're on that path. I'm really interested in, and this comes from a, a personal interest of what came first, the environment that allowed people to feel confident enough to come and give you the ideas or your openness to say yes, that allowed other people to come and feel confident to ask for initiatives and ideas and our previous little bit around belonging, you know, how do you get that sense of belonging? We all have to be a team, you know, we're a team and we're all, we're a team and we're here together um, to help one another to work through whatever challenges are presented to us. Cause not every day is easy. It's not. And there's a lot that's thrown at us in education these days. Anyone that's listening, that's an educator can attest to that. 
But I think if we stick together as a team and remember why we're doing what we're doing, then it brings great things. I feel I feel that we're very fortunate at school because we do have admin like Sylvia, who is very open and willing to let us run with run with ideas that we have that are going to make the improvements of the, in the lives of our students. And I've never really worked at a school like that before. So I'm I'm very happy that we have these opportunities to do so. And how powerful do you feel that this podcast is one example of it, but also schools sharing ideas? So have you had any of those opportunities? When we say happy accidents, that's how a lot of the happy accidents happen too, right? You talk to somebody else, you're like, I remember talking to a colleague and she was telling me about this zip grow wall. I'm like, well, what is that? And then you're like, oh, well, okay. I never even heard of that. We can, let's, let's find out more about it. And that's how ideas grow. Yeah, I, I just even think back to last year where we had the Aspiring Leaders Workshop. There was opportunities to sit down with members of other schools to hear and see what they're doing in their own school and in their community. And, and we had some great takeaways of, yeah, hey, this is what we're going to this is what we're going to try next year. This is what we're going to try and implement into our programming. So I think any opportunity to be able to network with different educators, it's it's always welcomed. The ideas aren't original ideas. I think, you know, we read and see so many different things and then all of a sudden you kind of pull something together and you're like, oh, well, that would work here because what works here might not work somewhere else. And but it's just to do something to, you know, take an idea and kind of go with it and see where it brings you. Yeah, and I think it's cool, too, because now we're seeing more and more schools pop up within our board that are starting the grow walls not just in the high school, but there's elementary schools that are popping up with these ideas as well. So it's kind of neat to see how it's it's all sort of being taken on and incorporated into uh, classrooms. Brilliant. So I think we're going to start small, we're going to do something, and we're going to share ideas. We hope this episode has inspired you that small steps forward can create momentum for healthier school change. I want to thank our amazing guests today, Sylvia and Lisa, for the incredible work they do at Avonmore School and their time in sharing their ideas with us today. Thanks for joining us on the PhD Kalana podcast. There's two things you need to do. Hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating. Let us know what you think.